Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. Today's guest is the chief entrepreneur at Terry Levine. She lives in North Wales, Pennsylvania. She's from Yonkers, New York. She's a prolific best-selling author, having written and published more than 40 books. She's been an entrepreneur for 35 years. Today's topic is the conversion equation. Please join me in welcoming Terry Levine to this podcast. Welcome, Terry. Thanks for having me, Keith. I'm happy to be with you. It's great to have you. I noticed you call yourself a heartrepreneur. I'd never heard of that word before. Tell us what that word means. And you say it perfectly. So thank you for that. So I'd never heard of the word before either. And I guess it's about 12 or 13 years ago now. I was with one of my publishers. I was in New York. We we're meeting about my upcoming book. And he took my manuscript, I'll never forget it. And he threw it on the floor and he said, I don't want this book. And I'm like, well, we have a contract for this book. He said, no, Terry, I've known you for more than 10 years. I want a book on how you do business. I want a book on heartrepreneur. And I remember saying kind of what you said, what's a heartrepreneur? <laughs> I've never <laughs> heard of that. He said, I don't know. I just made the word up. But there's a way you do business that's very heart to heart. Write me that book. And I was taking the train home from New York to Philadelphia, where I live now. And as I was on the train, I had one of those like, oh, I could have had a V8 moment. So I'm like, oh, teaching people how to do business authentically, transparently, and with integrity. I get it. So literally within two days, I worked with a trademark attorney. We quickly trademarked the term Heartrepreneur, had a new branding, new logo, and I even changed my company name to Heartrepreneur. So Heartrepreneurs, to sum it up, are people who do business authentically, transparently, and with integrity, whether they're leading a company, leading a team, working with customers, clients, 100%. I love that description. Thank you. And I notice that entrepreneurs, as you define them, have certain challenges. You could say there's themes in the challenges you see. What are some of the challenges you see in entrepreneurs? It's a great question. A lot of people aren't used to the way that we do business. <laughs> a lot of people are transactional or just trying to get the most out of their employees. I hear this all the time getting more people to be more productive. Why don't they have better morale? 
And so one of the things that happens as a heartrepreneur and a heartrepreneur leader is really transforming the culture of a company. Even if there's even one or two people embedded with the heartrepreneur philosophy, it can be done. If you're the only person, then you've really got to help educate people that this is the way to do business. And the reason that people leave companies and you lose really good talent is because people don't feel that they're being treated right. They don't feel the company is being transparent. There's ethical things that they concern themselves with. So if you remember the words transparency, authenticity, and integrity, those are the keys to Heartrepreneur and in my view, to successful leadership. You also talk about selling. A lot of your books are about selling. There's a reason for that too. Yes, there is. So a lot of people think that sell is a four, dirty four-letter word. I think it's a wonderful four-letter word because we all sell and we all sell all the time. Okay. Just over this weekend, we're here with a lot of friends and people were talking about where to go to dinner and someone really wanted something particular. And she was selling all of us on, well, let's have this because, and let's have, that's a sales thing. We sell all the time in our relationships with our family, with our parents, with our kids, with our grandparents, with our friends. Selling is normal. Selling is sharing something. So as a leader, you also have to sell. You have to sell people on concepts. I was CEO of a national corporation for five years. I had to sell people on ideas and themes and change and transformation and transition. And we merged with another company. So I want everyone who is listening to us to really understand sales is a natural part of human behavior. And, and Keith, this is how I think of it. If you came over to my house, which I, I hope you do someday, right here, I'm at the beach in New Jersey. Sometimes I'm my home in Mexico. Someone comes in and I will say something like, would you like some lemonade? I just made fresh lemonade. If you say no, that's okay with me. I don't need to convince you, manipulate you, pitch you, or overcome your objections. I authentically just share with you, hey, Keith, I really made some crazy good lemonade. I squeezed fresh lemons. It doesn't have a lot of sugar. People seem to like it. Would you like some? And I extend my hand. That's selling. That's authentic selling. Now, if Keith says no, I also don't take that personally. Keith doesn't like me. Maybe he's not thirsty. Maybe he doesn't like lemons. So selling is sharing as a leader what it is that you need to say, communicating it effectively, transparently with integrity and authenticity, and not manipulating. I hope that's clear, Keith. That is clear. The word influence comes to mind and influence in a high integrity way. Yes, 100%. And there's a good way of doing it. And then there's, you know, the uh, sort of using neurolinguistic programming and trickery. And that's what we're avoiding. I love your approach. Yeah. Tell us about your journey to serve entrepreneurs. I have had an interesting journey. I graduated college as a speech language pathologist, had a master's degree. I decided to open my own clinic. At the time, I did not realize there were not other speech language pathology clinics in the country. I thought you came out of school and this is what you did. I knew nothing about sales marketing or business. That first year, boy, did I struggle. I had no, I knew how to be a speech pathologist, didn't know anything else. And by the end of the year, I really had figured out that instead of being the speech language pathologist, I had to sit in the CEO chair. I had to truly be the leader of a company and not own a business, own a company. And I eventually grew that business very successfully. I have had um, eight completely different, very successful businesses over my journey. And the last 27 years, 
truly doing business, teaching people, other people, 6,000 other clients, how to do business heart to heart, how to actually do business honestly and ethically. And I'll share one quick thing. In the company that I was CEO of, the reason that I left, they paid me plenty of money, they treated me fine, stock options, all of that, is that they weren't in integrity and they literally didn't value employees. And I just said, you know what? I don't fit in. The way that I know how to do business is through integrity. And so I really want people to understand that you can do business as a heart entrepreneur and be successful. And I've implemented this in corporations like General Electric. It works everywhere. I think I remember seeing that you talked about just having one client. <laughs> you encourage people not to feel sorry for you because of the client you had. Yeah, it was so funny. That's a great story. So I was taking, you know, courses in coaching and consulting, and I was on a a course that was a coaching course, and there was about 15 people on the course. And they said, we're going around the virtual telephone room. How many clients do you have? How many? And one was like, I have three, I have two, I have eight. Then they get to me and I go, I have one. And people go, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, um, yeah, it's a $475,000 a year contract. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so don't judge. <laughs> I love that story. Thank you. And you work with General Electric for a period of time? A long time. I started out um, doing one keynote for them. And then I spoke at conference after conference. And then I got to work with different teams and different aspects of the company. And it was was something that I totally enjoyed because they were very skeptical about my approach. They were like, this is how we do it by the book. And my first day, I'm like, if you've got me, you're throwing the book away and we're going to speak from the heart, not from a sales script. And I mean, the, the leader's eyes were like this big and They got better productivity within four months. They got happier employees, less people out sick. The morale was up. The earnings were up. And then, yeah, became a long-term gig after that. (laughs) So I think it'd be fair to say you changed the culture of a large corporation or you helped change. I definitely did help. And I've I've done that in many kinds of corporations, um, everything from manufacturing to hospitals, healthcare, um, schools, nonprofits. And it's something that I really love because I get to sit back and, and see that transformation. And it's it stays, it lasts. I would love to know more, more about how you go about doing that. The way that I actually approach business, and thank you for asking that, is I look at every business as not transactional. I look at who are the people that need to win? Well, certainly the profitability has to be a winning factor. That's the first thing, because if the company is not profitable, no one's going to be employed. The second thing is that every employee needs to win. And I don't care what they do in the company. I don't care if they sweep a floor or their CEO, they're all just as valuable. And the third thing I look at is who does the company serve? Who are the customers? So when people talk about win-win, I'm like, no, 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 it's win-win-win. All three have to win. And so what we start with is how do you communicate? It really boils down to communicate in a way that is heartrepreneur-like. And I'll give you an example. I was working with a large hospital in Virginia, Children's Hospital, and we're going to implement some major change that, believe me, would shake up everyone in the company. And I said to the CEO, we're going to do a town hall 
and you're going to get everyone at every level at the town hall and you're going to openly answer every question. And she said, I'm going to what? <laughs> and I said, you don't have credibility. And she didn't. You don't have credibility. You've been here a long time, but I've interviewed 30, 40 people at different levels. You don't have credibility. You need to do this. So we brought everyone. We brought the kitchen staff. We brought the physicians. We had everyone. And she basically said, I'm going to tell you the absolute truth. This is where we are in terms of profitability. This is where we need to be. The only way to get there that I can see is to do the following changes. However, I want to hear how you would make the changes if you were the CEO. And I think the meeting was about two and a half hours. She listened to every single person. We took notes on every comment. We implemented a lot of changes that we could. And she let people know why we couldn't implement some of them. That changed everything, including the number of people she thought she was going to have to lay off because they came up with additional plans. And that hospital not only ended up surviving, they're thriving, and she's still the CEO. This is 23 years later when wow. she thought she was on her way out. Wow. Sounds That's like- why I do what I do. <laughs> That's why I love it. What you're describing, what occurs to me is that people, when they meet you, they may not be a heart entrepreneur. But when they leave you, they're transformed. I would say there's truth in that and that I'll take it one step further. I believe everyone, everyone, regardless of what business industry or leadership role they have, has this in them. <laughs> and sometimes we've been taught so much stuff that we've buried this and we're not being authentic. And that's the first thing that I do is I peel away all those layers and I say, stop communicating with fluff and jargon and politeness and start communicating in a transparent way. And the communication starts to change everything. So it's really within them already. You're just helping them unleash it. Exactly. Yes. I love that. What do entrepreneurs need most? Interesting question. I, I believe what we need most is to surround ourselves with a like-minded community of entrepreneurs. And here's why. There are a lot of people that do not do business this way. We're really disrupting how business is done. And so you can get back in old patterns. I always say that old habits die hard. <laughs> and you can get right back in that old pattern. If you're with a, a group of people, you can go right down in the same path. If you're hanging out now that we're back at work potentially and you're at a water cooler and somebody's telling you about, you know, oh, I can't believe Mr. So-and-so or Ms. So-and-so just said blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, I know right there with them. And everybody joins in. Entrepreneurs need a like-minded community of people that uplift, inspire, empower, and acknowledge. You call yourself a consultant for a reason. Tell us more about why you call yourself a consultant, because I think you call yourself many things, different hats. Yes. And, and consultant is a, a, a choice, a really conscious choice. So after I was a speech language pathologist, I became a coach, a business coach, as well as a life coach. I have nine certifications prior to my PhD in clinical psychology. And initially I called myself a coach and about... Five years later, it seemed like everyone under the sun was all of a sudden calling themselves coaches. And I'd say, oh, where'd you get your certification? Or where'd you go to school? Well, I didn't. I'm like, excuse me? And they're like, well, you know, it just seems like a good way to make money. And I'm like, well, do you know the core coaching competencies? The what? And I began to realize that the industry wasn't taking themselves seriously. 
Whereas a business consultant, in my experience, is someone who has a vast amount of experience in business, can give advice, is willing to give strategy, and can still have coaching tools built in. So I'm a consultant. I come with a broad range of tools, and sometimes coaching is one of them. And I think it is important to recognize the difference. A coach technically does not give answers as oh, you know, Keith, you know the answer. If you knew the answer, what would the answer be? And they won't give you the answer technically. As a business consultant, I'll say, Keith, let's let's go. Here's what you're going to do. This is what you need to do. And you provide the advice. So it's it's very conscious that I am a consultant who has coaching tools. Yeah, I can picture you sometimes asking open-ended questions too and looking for the response. Of course. <laughs> You've written 40 plus books. That's a lot of books. <laughs> it is. It is. I started writing when I was seven. So I entered, we lived in New York, as you said, I, I entered a contest in the paper in New York, and it was writing a letter to Santa. And so I wrote a letter to Santa, and I won this writing contest for the entire state of New York, which was like a big deal. And I had a teacher, very inspirational teacher, who said, you're going to write books and be an author. So she handed me my first journal at the age of seven. And she said, I want you to write every day. In 10th grade, I won an essay contest in the entire state of, at that time I lived in New Jersey, of New Jersey. And writing for me is an outlet. It's a hobby. I always tell people, you know, this is my 47th book, The Conversion Equation. I'm like, don't, don't write 47 books, okay? Don't you? It's a hobby for me. It's a passion. And this is right now, um, I believe this is my last book, The Conversion Equation. I feel like it is the pinnacle and um, I'm complete now. So yes, that don't, I don't recommend everyone do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have a lot of readers too. Yes. And that's one of my favorite things. You know, I get an email or a note the other day, I got a card in the mail. I don't even know how they found me. And it was about the impact one of my books made on a team of people. And you know, that's for me, that's the deal in writing books. They're translated worldwide instead of impacting, you know, potentially a thousand people. Now I get to impact hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. Wow. For me, that's the beauty of a book. That's a lot of people. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Tell us more about the conversion equation. I am so excited to share this. Um, this is really kind of my legacy, my pinnacle piece. I have studied corporations for 43 years. I have also worked with businesses for 30 something years. And I was looking at what have I done differently? What have my client family members done differently? What have I taught leadership teams as well as entrepreneurs that has really made the difference? And I interviewed my clients and the 99.999% of them said it's teaching the conversion equation. So that's why I wrote the book. And this conversion equation to me is the basis of what everyone needs to succeed in business, whether they're any level of a leader or an aspiring leader, whether they're on a team, whether they're working in sales, operations, marketing really doesn't matter. And whether they're an entrepreneur or have entrepreneurial aspirations, this book teaches you how to get people to pay attention and how to actually get people to take action. 
And that's what most people actually do not understand. And so I give it away in the book with example after example after example, true case studies so you can live vicariously through my own client family members. You brought up a very good point that a lot of people want to influence others. And a lot of people have a habit of talking a lot. And I suspect your approach involves more than talking. It involves first understanding who you're talking to. So I just want to make that point really clear. We as human beings, we do a lot of talking at people. And in the conversion equation, we don't talk at people. There's four parts to it, and I'll, I'll share them very briefly. The first part is that we know who we're speaking to. So the first part is we do what's called interrupt. What does that mean? Interrupt means people walk around in downtime. So we're scrolling social media, we're checking email. Our brain isn't very conscious. Keith, have you ever driven from somewhere and gone, I don't even remember passing such and such? Yes, definitely. All done that. That's downtime. The brain isn't all that conscious. It's a repeated thing, knows how to do it. It's not really paying attention. So the first thing you need to do is know who you're speaking to and what message will interrupt them and wake them up. The second thing that you do, part number two, is called engage. Once you get someone from downtime into uptime, you instantly need to engage them with something that keeps them interested or they're going to be right back into downtime. The third part is educate. Now you teach them something, a fact, data, something interesting. So now they're really paying attention because they're learning. People love to learn. And then finally, you make some kind of an offer, even if you're talking to someone on your team and you want them to go do something, you make an offer to them. You make a no or low risk offer to them. So I'll give you an example. I had a, a woman who worked for me many, many years ago mm -hmm. and she just couldn't get in on time. So one day I said, okay, clearly something is going on at home that you can't get here. What's up? And she told me she's in the process of getting a divorce. She's got to take two kids, get them dressed and go to different, two different schools, get them fed, breakfast, and then get to work. I said, okay, so here's my offer. What is it that we can do to help you get here? Because we really do need you here at eight, not eight, 12, not eight, 15. What can we do to help? My offer is you tell me what it is that I can do and we will help you. And we actually came up with a very creative solution. So interrupt, engage, educate, offer, and first and foremost, your listening comes from truly understanding the other person first. I hope that's clear. <laughs> yes. I think I heard Stephen Covey's seven habit in there. A hundred percent. Yeah. I co-authored a book with him years ago. Really? And I Yes, and I'm so honored to have done that and uh, with Ken Blanchard as well. And I got so much of Stephen Covey downloaded. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, so I missed that book. I was looking on Amazon. You've written a lot of books and you've got a lot of books that are written as co-authors with others. Yes. I didn't see Stephen Covey though. I'll go back and look for that. Yes, it's called Blueprint for Success, and it's Ken Blanchard, myself, and Stephen Covey. I'm writing that down, <laughs> although I, I can go back and listen to this again. Yes, you definitely can. <laughs> I'll do that instead. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. What is next for you? You, you mentioned that this may be your last book. I won't hold you to that. 
Um, what is next for me? We are really expanding Heartrepreneur. Uh, we've added a lot of different consultants on to specialize in nonprofits, larger organizations, um, building teams. We have about 14 or 15 different consultants and specialty areas, everything from like working with manufacturing to working with small businesses to working with Fortune 100 companies. And so our goal is to disrupt more businesses and truly teach people this heartrepreneur methodology. Oh, I love your passion. Thank you. And I believe there's a lot of people who work for large companies, large corporations that could really benefit from the work you're talking about. I agree. I see it every day. Yeah, I can imagine. I see it some too. Of course. As you look to the future, and as you look to how do people stay connected with you, there is a listener right now, and you know who you are, and you love what you hear from Terry, and you want to learn more. How do people stay in touch with you? So I'll give you a couple of different things. First, you can uh, be in my Facebook community, and it really is a community. It's not like these other Facebook groups. And there's a lot of free resources. I do a training in there every single week. Uh, lots and lots of great people, 62 or 6,300 people in there. And that is Heartrepreneurs with Terry Levine. It's a Facebook group, Heartrepreneurs with Terry Levine. The second way is I have a masterclass that I put together. It's automated, watch it whenever you want. And that's at TL, like Terry Levine, TLwebinar.com. And then finally, go get the conversion equation, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, wherever you want to shop. Um, that will make a huge difference for you, your business, your company, your team, the conversion equation. And that could be whether or not you're with a small company, an entrepreneur, or you're yes. with a large corporation. 100%, yes. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Terry. You're welcome. Is there anything you'd like to say before you say goodbye? Anything oh, you'd like to yeah. share? Uh, one thing that I just want to say, and that is, there's a question that I really teach every single client that I have, and it's probably the biggest, most important coaching question for me. It's very powerful. And it is, what is working? So instead of walking around talking about problems at work or at home or whatever, get your brain to start asking, really, what is working? What's going right? And that will literally change your attitude and it will make you feel happier and healthier and less stressed. So write that down. What is working and start asking yourself that regularly. Oh, I love that. I accept that one. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I invite you to accept that too. Thank you so much, Terry. It's been a privilege and a pleasure having you as a guest. Thank you. It's been great to be with you and with your listeners. I will see you next week on Embers and Wind. Thank you again, Terry. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers and Wind. If you enjoyed today, please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers and Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us.